Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org. Welcome to a special edition of Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from WFIU, WTIU News, along with Sarah Whitmire, the WFIU, WTIU News Director. We're coming to you uh, from various different locations today. We're recording this show um, today to avoid the risk of spreading infection because of COVID-19, of course. And we are doing this special edition of the show because the governor on Friday went into announced that, that the state could go into phase two of his plan to get uh, Indiana back to work. Monroe County has decided to keep the status quo and keep the stay-at-home order in place. So we're going to talk about those things today with four guests that we have joining us. John Hamilton is the mayor of Bloomington. Julie Thomas is the president of the Monroe County Board of Commissioners. Dr. Tom Sharp is Monroe County Health Officer and Health Commissioner. Uh, he's a physician for Monroe Hospital and IU Bloomington Health Hospital. And also joining us is Aaron Predmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. She is the president and CEO. If you have questions today, and we know that there might be a lot of questions about what all this means, you can send us emails to news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and contact us there at Noon Edition. Well, thank you all for, for deciding to join us today on short notice on Monday. Um, I know that you have all been working really hard on this. And I, I wanted to, to start, I guess, with uh, the three people, uh, Mayor Hamilton, Commissioner Thomas and Dr. Sharp, to talk about what into what went into this decision. Why should Monroe County not just follow the state's order? So, Dr. Sharp, if we could start with you, please. Just a moment. Are you there, Dr. Sharp? Well, uh, they can't hear you. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go to Julie Thomas first, and then we'll, we'll go back to Dr. Sharp. Julie. Okay. Yes. Um, how is everyone? Um, it's it's uh, good to see everyone on this uh, line, or good to hear everyone. Um, and thank you for organizing this. It's a really important message for us to get out. And um, we we took our information from the health department. This is a data driven science forward uh, decision. This is, um, it may seem like a political decision because there are political uh, entities involved, but this is a, a, a data-driven scientific decision. And we follow the lead of our great Monroe County Health Department in coming to this, in coming to this decision. So um, it's, it would be great. I think we can hear uh, Dr. Sharp now, so. Yeah. All right, Dr. Sharp, please go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. We're, we're having uh, technical difficulties here, but uh, I, I think we've worked it out. So the question was, uh, how did we arrive at the decision? The answer is that there was a health order put out last Friday, I believe, that uh, talked about what we needed to do, which was reduction of uh, uh, illnesses, both uh, COVID-like and other that were similar, uh, a reduction in cases for the last two weeks, 14 days. Uh, <clears throat> but we needed, uh, and, and we didn't have that, although we had flattening uh, of the curve, uh, and we need an increase following the testing because we have only tested, uh, it's 1.6 of Hoosiers and not many more of that, not that many, not enough in Monroe County. So all these numbers don't it's hard to even interpret them because they're so incomplete and they change all the time. But we've flattened the curve and 
that's part of, um, we're actually supposed to be trending down for two weeks before uh, we go to stage two of the governor's plan, which we want, let me say, which we want to do as soon as possible. I, I, you know, there are two parts to this illness, and one is the is actual illness, and the other part is the financial disaster for so many people, and like work and uh, mental, uh, emotional health, and as long as, as well as you mentioned, uh, financial health. So we we are very acutely aware of how important this is to so many people. So the answer is we haven't, we don't have a two week, uh, we don't have a two week pattern that that is downturning. We have flattening. And uh, we also are kind of waiting over the next uh, week or so, maybe as much as two, we're going to have a lot more testing and we're going to have uh, uh, more information available uh, to make a decision. And we're, we don't have to wait two weeks. It's as soon as we get this information, we're gonna, things are going to change. And, we'll, and we plan to catch up with the governor's plan, his five steps, we, as soon as we can possibly do that. So uh, that being said, um, we did it because we we weren't we weren't totally comfortable. Well, we were definitely not quite within the the uh, governor's uh, uh, pattern that we have to be uh, fitting into. And secondly, we just for the health of the people in Monroe County, we want to be as conservative as we possibly possibly can be without without belaboring the point. And uh, hopefully. Hopefully, people have, t- because of all this stuff going on and all these all this damage being done uh, mentally, emotionally, financially, et cetera, et cetera, and people dying. Hopefully, people are tuned in enough that they'll they'll uh, be careful. Uh, keep your hands away from your nose, your mouth, and your eyes because mucous membranes where you get to, and uh, the, and masking in public when you're when you certainly when you can't uh, can't. Uh, stay six feet away from everybody so if the the more people pay attention to that the fewer cases we'll hopefully have and we'll be able to get back to the governor's uh, pattern as soon as possible and I, I i feel really badly for what's going on in so many people's lives right now so yeah, so, so Dr. Sharp, if I could just follow up. So there were, I think the governor talked about four different criteria that he was looking at. And one of them was the the downward trend. Uh, we right. talked about capacity for critical care beds and ventilators. And we're I okay assume, on that one. Okay, we're okay on that one. Uh, the, and then the other two were testing and capacity for contact tracing. Right, and that's coming up within the next two weeks. We'll have more testing and more contact tracing. Uh, that's that's uh, through the state also. So th- they're, they're taking over a lot of that. I mean, it's, that's a big job. Uh, I, I think it averages five or six with every person. You gotta have to get in touch with them uh, with every uh, COVID positive case. You have to uh, contact multiple people and, uh, you know, discuss their individual cases with them. And, and that's just locally. I mean, statewide, it's, it's monumental task. So, uh, so it's it's just as you say, two things, uh, more, well, multiple things, but more testing and more availability availability of follow up. All right, uh, Mayor Hamilton. So your input and your comfort level with this decision. Thanks, uh, and it's nice to be with everybody. Thanks for doing this show too. Um, you know, we've said for some time that this response to the. COVID crisis is a marathon, not a sprint, or technically it's a marathon that begins with a sprint, uh, because I think everybody feels we've been in something of a sprint the last uh, six weeks or so, just trying to get um, responding to the, the infection that has, has hurt us so bad and hit us so hard. So we are in a marathon, though, and um, I want to thank uh, directly on behalf of everybody here in the community, the health department, Dr. Sharp and Administrator Caudill for their terrific leadership and focus, uh, and and for all the people who've made the flattening of the curve successful here. We have have protected the healthcare system. We have avoided thus far a crisis or a surge that overwhelms our healthcare workers, the heroes who are out there every day. So that's a really good thing. And we need to 
acknowledge that and thank and that the things we do make a difference. Uh, I absolutely support the decision not to jump into this reopening. Um, even today, we learn that there are some in the administ federal administration that are predicting there may be nearly a doubling of daily deaths in the United States by this reopening. Um, and that's a, that's a huge concern. We, we have to manage the healthcare system and the healthcare crisis by trying to reduce deaths. Uh, and absolutely, we need to focus on the economy. We've set up uh, and Aaron Predmore's on it and doing great work, uh, economic stabilization and recovery. And that's a hugely important effort. And we can talk a lot about that. But um, the, I, I have to say, I think the governor has, I respect that, let me say one thing, he let local governments do their own thing, which is really important. And, and that was, a, 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 I give him credit for recognizing that Lake County and Marion County and Cass County, and we decided in Monroe County that we're we don't have the indicators it's time to reopen yet. I would say, um, anyway, we can go into one of his indicators, one of the governor's four indicators is the number of hospitalized patients decreasing for 14 days. That's not a CDC guideline, the hospitalization rates. Now we can talk about whether that's the right guideline or not, but I haven't seen the data statewide that shows that decrease. So we need to see that data and we know we don't have that data locally. So uh, absolutely we wanna move forward as quickly as we can to let more things happen and to do the economic recovery. And we can talk about that, but, we, but essentially we must be sure we are paying attention to the data, protecting the health of our people. And when, when national government says we may see a, nearly a doubling of fatality rates daily in the United States by June 1, that really concerns me that we are not attending to the health first and foremost. Julie Thomas, that's what you said at the beginning too, that you wanted to look at the data and um, the idea that the uh, county, the city and the town of Ellettsville all sort of uh, agreed that this was the right thing to do. Are you uh, surprised at that? I'm not surprised at that. We have worked together incredibly well as a community. Every one of us is is working and reaching out to others around us. Who, and and it's just been a in a, in a way it mirrors what the community's doing. The way we've we've um, banded together as a community to flatten the curve and to do a great job. This is not to say that we failed. This is just to say we're just not ready yet. Uh, so I do want to thank, um, as, as Mayor Hamilton did, everybody who's had an impact. We've lost people in this community, and that's sad. And people have been uh, become ill, and businesses are struggling, and employees, and, and uh, independent workers, people in the gig economy, students, uh, K through 12, post-secondary. I mean, the list goes on. And then we go to our healthcare workers, and that's who we have to shield here. Um, they have a lot on their shoulders, and it's everyone from the, the person that prepares the food to the people that scrub the floors to everybody who provides direct health care uh, in our community. Um, we have to protect them and continue to do so. Um, but, but our ability to work together um, mirrors exactly what our community is doing. We have been a thoughtful, um, giving, compassionate community, and, and we're mirroring that um, as, as government officials. It was just Friday that we did a show with uh, some people talking about the economy and we have Aaron Predmore here. So Aaron, what are you hearing from Monroe County businesses? Uh, I know there were some that were probably geared up and ready to go today, but others, I know I had heard from others that were like, we don't, we're not ready. We don't want to open yet. What, what have you been hearing? I've been, um, I've been hearing the same things, Bob. So it's been very much that there've been businesses that are interested. And I mean, I, I think it's just fair to recognize that businesses are in a very difficult situation where they're seeing this thing that they've built over many years, uh, the business owners, their employees, their staff, all the, um, the way that they're woven into the community together, it's dissolving before their eyes. And so they're very anxious and worried about that. They want to get back to work. Um, they want to get back to feeling uh, less stressed and worried about their own personal futures. Uh, but they're also scared themselves and they don't want to harm the community by reopening. They want to be able to do it safely. 
and they want to do it intentionally with, uh, you know, using scientific data to inform the best, safest way to, for them to reopen. So that's what we've been hearing from our members. Um, some people were angry. I will say that that we did hear from some members that were very frustrated. Most of the people we've heard from have been um, very balanced and appreciating the nuances of the situation and wanting to take the time that they have right now in the next couple of weeks to really um, understand what reopening means, be able to plan for it, to do so safely, and then also to build confidence. Uh, they want to make sure their customers are able to be comfortable in their space, whether it's a restaurant or retail or office or something like that, um, and also make sure that their um, employees feel safe and are able to uh, return to work. So it's I'm, I've been very impressed by the business owners um, and their uh, staff and every, everyone that's engaged with the, the chamber right now are very much committed to the health and, and well-being of our overall community. I think Julie Thomas wants to add something. So let's go, Julie. Julie, go ahead. Yes, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad you raised that. And we do understand that anxiety and the, and the financial loss is huge. And that makes a big difference in, in everyone's lives. Um, county government is continuing just like the city has a program. Uh, there's a program available for assistance for uh, businesses in the county who are tourism related because we're using food and beverage money. Um, because uh, the order at the state level has been extended to some extent, uh, the emergency is phasing. So we're able to take, uh, to ask, we're going to the Food and Beverage Tax Advisory Commission for additional funds. Uh, we've given out over $150,000 in grants to area businesses outside the city of Bloomington uh, in tourism related business. And uh, we, we're going to need the Tax Advisory Commission and then the council appropriation but we're conducting interviews right now. So if somebody has a business and they want to apply, please go to co.monroe.in.us, our main website, and you will find the application right on our homepage. Um, and we're also working on the opening, the reopening plan as well. And it takes a lot to do. Uh, different offices are set up different ways. Um, we're, we've been open, uh, but just not public facing. We've been available by email and phone, various departments. Um, and we are working through how do we prov provide supplies? How do we provide enough protective equipment? How do we protect the public and our employees? That is a huge undertaking. And we have a lot of offices to deal with in a lot of different situations. And so we're working on that right now and we've been working on it. So it, it is a difficult process, but such an important one. I got a question from Colin, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. It's it's long, um, but he's saying, you know, eight people have died in Monroe County from the virus. Obviously, it's too many, but yet there are lots of other things that people are dying from. He mentioned suicide, kidney, liver disease, lung-related diseases, heart disease. He says, we also know that people locked in their homes are more likely to be depressed, sedentary, eat poorly, smoke tobacco, drink alcohol. In other words, extending the stay-at-home order also extends conditions which promote these leading causes of death. Um, to what extent should public officials be held responsible if the stay-at-home order causes more people to die overall in the county? Um, Dr. Sharp, do you want to just speak to that and some of these other health conditions and compare that? Well, I, I'm in total sympathy with that. that as I mentioned earlier, the, there's a, a real balance between opening up and uh, having some more risk and not opening up and risk the mental, emotional uh, health, uh, the drinking, the drugs, the uh, depression, uh, on and on and on. There's a real, there's, there's a price to pay either way. So the question ends up being uh, somewhere down the line, not yet, uh, somewhere down the line, do we uh, totally destroy everybody's living uh, or, uh, because we're going to lose, we're going to lose people either way. They're going to lose. We're going to lose people doing that, as you all know. Uh, and and there's no perfect way to handle this. I do want to say something about social distancing. <clears throat> the six feet thing, uh, face covering is a big deal, but it's okay to use common sense. So, for instance, if you drive to a golf course, and and uh, the pro tells you you have to ride in two separate carts because of distancing and then say husband or wife you get back in the car and go back home and live you know, together uh, i mean that's overkill don't you don't have to do that uh, and people who see other people being close 
be careful about being too critical about that. They may live together, they may have total exposure, and they may uh, understand the mutual risk to them, which is neither one of them is going to give it to the other. So, so try not to be too critical because sometimes, um, sometimes there's a good reason, and, and it doesn't make sense for a married couple playing golf to have to have two golf carts. That's just an example, but uh, six feet is is a uh, is a reasonable thing to do. Wearing a mask is a uh, a very reasonable thing to do when you're, especially when you're in checkout lines and uh, in places where you just can't avoid the six foot problem, six foot distance problem. So, if but again, the goal is to get everybody to do all this so that our numbers look better, so we can get so we can move on because we know what a disaster this is. Everybody knows what a disaster it is to continue uh, all these restrictions. Um, and it's a disaster to let them, to let them go. So uh, yeah. Dr. Sharp, I'm going to, I'm going to go on to Mayor Hamilton in a minute, but I want you to, I want you to get ready because I'm going to ask for some numbers. If you've got some data and some numbers, because we've had some questions about, you know, what are the numbers that we're working off of, but uh, I'll give you time to find all that stuff. Uh, Mayor Hamilton. Thanks. Uh, and appreciate the question from the caller. Um, I, I would, I would make a couple points. Absolutely. Um, we do need to pay attention to everything going on in, Society, I know county government and city government um, and, and the business community and all are concerned about the overall quality of life and welfare of our, of our people and in our community. But um, a couple things. One, absolutely, I, I don't want to get into a blame game where we start saying, you know, somebody's responsible for this happening or that happening or this death or that death. Uh, we all, I think, are working very closely together to try to manage a pretty complicated situation and challenging one. And we are in a global pandemic. This is this is not normal times. These are this is an extraordinary uh, global challenge that is killing hundreds of thousands of people around the globe, and it is going to keep killing Americans, including Monroe County residents. And um, it requires, as I've sometimes said, facts are stubborn things. The facts of this virus are, they're not going to change if we wish they would be different or hope they would be different. We have to address it directly. And again, I want to thank the health professionals. Um, absolutely, while we're doing this focus on the health challenges, we have stood up a, a group uh, locally that is focused on social services to make sure we're getting shelter and getting childcare and getting uh, food security and getting the kind of health counseling that is so important during this. But we, we, it's not a, it's not a finger pointing time. Uh, one of the things I really liked um, a doctor said a while back was nobody who's sick is the enemy. The virus is the enemy. None of us, it, we, sometimes we kind of get mad about somebody who got sick or how, Hey, they infected somebody else or we are all victims fighting against the virus, which is the enemy. And we are, we are moving forward. Well, uh, but we have a lot of work to do, and we have to stick together to try to manage this uh, to minimize the damage overall. And I think that's what your your governments and your partners in the health systems and others are working very closely to do. You're listening to a special edition of Noon Edition today on WFIU. We're talking with folks from Monroe County about the decision to maintain the status quo and not follow the governor's lead in going to stage two of reopening Indiana. If you have questions or comments, we certainly will take them from you, but we have to take them by email, news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Sarah? We got a question from Aaliyah, and um, she says, my employer is a non-essential business, and they did open today despite the extension of the order. What should I do? Who best can handle that one? Maybe Julie? There, there are protocols for um, businesses that are um, open that are uh, not following a local order or a state order, in this case, a local order. And that those typically go through, uh, if they're food or restaurant uh, oriented, they go through um, the local health department. But otherwise, um, um, the, the health department can give a better answer about this, but otherwise the reporting has to go 
back to um, back to the state. Aaron, do you have any uh, insights into this? Uh, you know, what should people do if some of your businesses are open and they're not supposed to be? Well, I believe the governor has a hotline um, that I remember hearing about on one of his press conferences where people can call to ask those kind of questions. Um, I mean, it's difficult right now not knowing the exact situation to know uh, sure. why why the business may be open today and, and have an employee think that, that they don't meet the criteria. I will say that there are a lot of businesses um, that may be in that kind of middle gray area, depending on the activities they're doing at this time, whether or not they're considered essential or non-essential. Um, and they may fall into different categories depending on that, um, whatever they're producing or whatever they're doing. So that's that would be my recommendation to her is if she's got questions about that. I want to say IOSHA is the one that's going to follow up with those um, kind of um, questions and complaints from the state. So that would be the, the direction I would send her at this point. All right. Mayor? I, I would just note you're welcome to call the mayor's office. It, it is a little confusing and complicated, um, but it is helpful if people see or believe that they see an unsafe situation or a situation that's not consistent with the health orders. We do appreciate hearing about it. Um, there can be some confusion about it. There can be some uh, perceptions that are that are that need to be explored. But uh, and the enforcement is complicated. Uh, but but basically, this is a health order in our county, so it may not apply at the state, but in our county, we have a health order that says you need to behave in certain ways as individuals and as businesses. And, um, you know, as we've often said, you don't wanna push that into the legal system. It can be pushed into the legal system, but typically uh, reaching out to a business or an establishment that may not be complying with the order uh, through uh, health contact, through police contact, through uh, public official contact can help resolve that, but we do like we do want to hear about it. So, contact you're welcome to contact the mayor's office or, or the health department to to notify us if you see something that concerns you. Yeah, I think this gets into one of those complicated issues where you've got a, an employee that you know, yeah, the the workplace say, is saying you can go back to work, and the employee is saying, but I, I don't think we're supposed to, and I don't feel very safe. So it's. You've got various various voices to be heard on this. So, Dr. Sharp, I wanted to get back to you because here's the actual question that came in that I wanted to, that I was referencing before. It says, would like to see the data as it relates to Monroe County. Uh, I'm unable to determine what statistics led to keeping the status quo. Um, I would like to turn this over to the answer to this uh, to uh, Penny Cottle, but uh, front page of the Herald Times today, there's an article about that. Uh, the, the news media has, that's just rampant. It's available everywhere. But uh, we don't get too hung up on that except over a week or two week period uh, because it changes so rapidly. And you know what I, my first comment at my first conference was, uh, uh, well, we don't want to get too locked in because to any particular point of view because uh, it may change in an hour. And, and sure enough, two hours later after I said that, IU closed. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but Penny has some numbers, but also, again, front page of the Herald Times and okay. State Board of Health. So, okay. Yeah, Penny? Penny Cottle from Thanks. the Health Department? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Dr. Sharp. So we do kind of look at the influenza-like illnesses and the COVID-like illnesses that are reported. Um, and that's not reported as much locally as it is state and, and nationally, but we see some of those numbers and trying to watch those. We know that influenza, for example, is uh, going down and that's a good thing. When we look at our numbers for testing, like right now we have like 130, 131 cases. Um, confirmed in Monroe County, and that means people that have actually been tested. So when we look at that over a trend line, Dr. Sharp mentioned this earlier, there's a flattening, but we haven't actually seen the decline that we're looking for. Along with that, we're looking at a percentage of positives, and those numbers appear to be good, but in relation to are we testing enough people? And so are, what we're 
we're hopeful is that in the next week or so, when we have additional testing, that it will become clear that we're doing adequate testing and the percentage of positives is low. So even if we're seeing that flattening of the curve, it's slightly dipping, that that would be more hopeful and give us clear picture that we are actually on that right, right path. So we definitely need to have that increased testing. We, we're thankful, I've said this before, for Indiana University Health Hospital for the testing that they've provided to our con community and will continue to provide, but we need additional testing. And this will just open it up to more people in our community and then to have that additional capacity for contact tracing is also an essential piece of that. So we feel like once we get all of those things in play and the numbers are continuing to look good, then we can make some better decisions about reducing those restrictions. From, from the paper today, uh, uh, Monroe County, 0.9% have, have, have been tested. That's 1,327 patients, but so that's less than 1% have been, have been tested, and it's really hard to come to massive conclusions about that, but we're, we're ramping up the testing, ramping up the follow-up, and, and within the next two weeks, we're going we're gonna to be at a better position to uh, comment on this. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I know, we've been tracking that, too. I know 1.6% of the state, I think, has been tested. Uh, Monroe County is a little bit behind. What kind of a number you know, would you be looking for and to feel a little bit comfortable about the kind of data you're seeing? Well, we're mostly looking for a trend. We, we have flattening. We want to see some decreasing uh, numbers before we get started. on. And, you know, we're starting on step two, not, not step five. So it's not like everything's... Uh, opening up it's uh, step two is if you read it it's uh, a lot more places open with all kinds of restrictions and everybody has to pay attention to what they're doing and as i said earlier i think now the population is, is including everybody is more cognizant of the what we have to do you know the social distancing the masks the washing your hands the don't touch your eyes don't touch your nose or mouth because so if everybody will do that, we'll, it'll be easier to get to uh, decreasing numbers, and we'll feel really comfortable then. So it's not so much a numbers; it is well, it is a number because we have the previous ones. But it's the the, the big deal is a, a decreasing incidence. I wanted to clarify a little something you said earlier today to uh, not clarify, just get a little bit more information on it. You you said we that uh, we could join these different stages you know, at various times. So I, what, what I hear you saying is that if we raise this on the, um, the 15th, let's say, that you go ahead and say, okay, we're going to go on to stage two, that the state's stage three starts on May 23rd. So Monroe County could be back in sort of lockstep with the state quicker rather. I mean, you don't have to stay now two weeks behind the state at every step, right? That's correct, and um, you know, we state the state is estimating, so they they threw out a date, and that's really good. But we can't say hundred percent that that's going to be the date any more than we can say predict the future here in the county. It all depends on how people behave, and so if people will do all the things I just mentioned in the last uh, uh, statement, uh, if everybody will do that, we'll we'll be way ahead and we'll be able to approach further t steps and we, we, the state thing is a guideline and yeah. we want we want to be we want to be so good with our with our numbers that we can uh, stay up with that because we you know again it's uh, the the incidence of disease and the disasters that ensue are, are really bad and the the fallout from the financial no job thing. That's really bad too. I want to mention also, I read uh, recently about a nurse from Peru, who, uh, Indiana, who went to New York and to help out. And she is working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So if anybody thinks that we're, we're overdoing anything, we're, I mean, we're all putting in more time, but nothing like that young lady. I mean, wow. 
I think the mayor said earlier the the virus isn't going to change. It's going to be people's behaviors that are going to have to change. Couldn't agree more. Right. Okay. Uh, mayor, do you have something you want to add? Well, I just uh, I agree. I, I wanted to just note that um, Indiana, we know the United States hasn't had enough testing. And as, as Dr. Sharp said, we're less than 1% being tested here. Um, and even in the United States, Indiana is among the lowest uh, states in terms of the testing that we've seen. So a lot of this, we we have a lot more disease than we know about going on. We're, we're pretty confident. And I, I just want to note about kind of the governor's rhythm. Uh, setting a July 4th is a pretty um, artificial kind of date that he put out there. Uh, it has to be driven by the data. Uh, the governor has chosen hospitalization rate which is not what the CDC recommends. Uh, so we have to really pay attention locally to the science and making sure we're following the data. I, we don't actually, as far as I know, we don't actually have the actual statewide hospitalization rate. It's not on the state website. Uh, we certainly track that locally with IU Health and others and watching those downward trends is important. But I wanna note that stage to stage as we move forward, we have to keep seeing that decline. That is when you stage first stage of relaxation, you need to see even with that relaxation that you're continuing to decline. Because if you're not, you you shouldn't move forward. Um, because you know this is a this is again this is a marathon, and we really are trying to protect against the the spread of this virus. For example, I would say I think it's quite unlikely that Monroe County we are gonna to wanna to say on May 24th that you can start having gatherings of 100 people socially. I, I think that's very unlikely to be a safe and recommended from the data approach, but that's what the governor's calendar says. So we're gonna pay attention locally to doing the right thing. Uh, and I do appreciate the governor acknowledging that locales should be able to do their, their own approaches because not all governors in the country have done that. I wanna give him credit for that. But I just think we we can't artificially try to accelerate in ways that are going to put more people at risk and put our healthcare system at risk. And I know locally we're working together very well to try to manage that, um, move us forward as as quickly as we can. But we got to be responsible. I want to go next to uh, Aaron Predmore from the chamber, and then to Julie Thomas from the commissioners, and then Sarah's got more questions. So, Aaron. Yeah, thanks, Bob. I just wanted to, um, one of the things is we were talking about the the data is, I mean, so much of this is just unknown, right? So we don't know when we're going to have, you know, the the right amount of testing and uh, testing to be available to anyone at all the time to be able to check and track the virus as we need to, the vaccine development, whether or not there's going to be a second wave, um, all those sort of things. And so when we think about kind of the recovery overall, um, it's going to be very long. It's not going to be U-shaped, right? We're not just going to open right back up and everything just go right back to um, economically at the same level that we were uh, before the virus. I mean, the job gains have um, that we made since the recession in 09 have all been lost. Um, so we just have all these economic um, indicators that show us that this is going to take a while. And so um, it's really behooves us as a community to be safe, um, to be intentional about our reopening, and to take this time that we have um, to be able to, to do what needs to happen to be able to open safely and, and, and effectively so that customers can get the products that they want, whether it's you know shifting online or, or doing that. We've had a lot of businesses in our community that are doing new things to be able to be competitive and, and to still be active. Um, and I just wanted to share a couple of things that we're doing at the chamber uh, with help from others in the community as well um, to be able to, to help businesses throughout the community be able to open regardless of their chamber status. So we, we are opening all this up for everyone. Um, we're going to start a conference, a virtual conference this Wednesday called the Back to Business Conference. Um, and registration uh, is available on our website. It's opening up this afternoon. Um, but we'll have usually two or three sessions every day. Um, the last about an hour covering different topics that people will need to know. Uh, the health department's going to be helping us kick some things off with some information around uh, testing availability and, and instructions for the community. Um, we've got an infection disease, infectious disease um, um, nurse that's going to be able to help us with PP and telling people how to use that, all that kind of information, uh, HR stuff, legal issues. So that'll be going over on the next couple of weeks. 
Um, we're also got a Tiger Team uh, is going to be available for individuals, for businesses that want some help. So Tiger Teams are kind of ad hoc groups that can come in and help solve a problem um, by using their particular expertise to bring to bear at that moment. So for any business that's struggling or trying to figure out about their reopening plans, we'll have an ability to request that on our website as well so that we can have uh, Teams Cook has stepped up and offered to volunteer with many of their executives. And we have lots of other uh, business leaders and uh, individuals with lots of information and, and experience and expertise to bring that are volunteering to help businesses open back up safely for the community. Um, and then the last thing I was just going to tell you too, going back to the, the virus and, and increasing customer confidence, we've got a place on our website, the Monroe County COVID-19.org, uh, where we're going to have a place if businesses would like to be able to post their reopening plans online. Uh, we really want to encourage transparency so that the community overall will be able to know what's going on at the different locations and people can check those out before maybe they go out once, once that's an opportunity to do so. So as the open, the plans are developed, if businesses want to submit those, they can be there online and then uh, we'll be able to link those as well in our search boxes so that people can find them easily and be able to determine, you know, if they feel safe and comfortable going into the different businesses that we have here in Bloomington and, and Monroe County. All right, Julie. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, piggyback off of something that was said a little bit earlier about um, changing uh, how we how we respond to new data. And that's something that we've all been committed to doing locally is we're going to keep an eye on that data and you will see restrictions loosen and you may see them tighten. Uh, just bear with us and, and just, um, you know, be flexible, but be aware of what we're doing locally because it is science and data driven. Um, I do recommend folks get on to our um, alert uh, sign-up page. This is typically used for uh, weather events, tornado warnings, and things like that. But you can go to co.monroe.in.us. And when a new health order is issued, we, we send that entire health, health order out. So you can get it by phone, text, uh, or you can get called uh, or email. You have a lot of choices. You just go to the emergency management uh, department and sign up. And I highly recommend folks do that. Uh, but we are going to be seeing probably an increase in the fall. And so one of the things we're going to do when we come back is prepare for the next wave. Um, and, and businesses are going to be doing that as well. So we're not out of the woods, just opening things up gradually. And we know this is going to be phased statewide and also locally. Just remember that this is something where we're going to be responding to data and it could be more restrictive for a short time. It could be much less restrictive for a short time. We don't know, but the data will lead us. And I'm, I'm grateful for our health department and our great staff um, and the great work at Bloomington Hospital to help us guide uh, this process. We got a couple more data questions um, for the health department here. One is about ventilators and the person says NPR reported that New York City had 80% mortality rate once a patient was put on a ventilator. Um, what's the Monroe County rate and the Indiana rate? Uh, do you have any information on Monroe County, Dr. Sharp? That, that uh, again, that uh, changes daily and that should be directed to IU Health. IU Health, yeah. They, okay. they'll, they'll have that. I mean, Two, oh, two weeks ago's data doesn't mean anything. So uh, the people that have that information would be IU Health. Okay. And the other question had to do with recovery rates. What have you seen in terms of people recovering from the virus here? I don't think we have... Uh, yeah, the recovery rate is really a very difficult thing to report back on. We There's more information perhaps on the number of people who have been hospitalized and released. But once they go home, you don't necessarily know how quickly, uh, you know, they've recovered or if they've fully recovered yet. And that is very, very difficult really to to get. So locally, we don't necessarily have that information. I know it's been a struggle for even the state or nationally. Uh, I know that there are reported numbers of those recovered, but it's kind of difficult to really pull that information together unless you're just looking at uh, the number of people, for instance, released from the hospital. 
Okay. You know, the raw number really doesn't tell you much. Uh, be, th this is really a complicated problem because there's so many asymptomatic uh, people. Oh my gosh. We, uh, so there's a numerator denominator, though that's the denominator. We have no idea what the denominator of is of number of people who, who have actually that have it or have had it because sometimes it's virtually no, there are virtually no symptoms. And to check 0.9% of our population in this county and come to any great conclusions, that's difficult uh, to, to determine death rates uh, and recovery rates, all that stuff. Sometimes there's, there's, there are no symptoms, so there's nothing to recover from. Mm -hmm. So it's really a complicated problem. Yeah, I, um, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask the mayor a question because you've talked a lot about just changing behaviors and habits, mayor. And this is a question from Richard. And he's talking about why can't we make it uh, make near universal or mandatory compliance and patrons and staff wearing masks at grocery stores, for example. Why can't we just make it that people have to do that? What are the problems with those kind of things? Yeah, um, you know, I was walking, uh, I, I've been quarantined myself, we've had family uh, COVID and I've been quarantined, but I finally now met the guidelines that let me go out. Uh, I went and walked a bit on Switchyard and Cascades Trail and I use a mask when I go out um, and uh, a lot of people do not. Uh, I, I, I take the point, some do. We have encouraged uh, mask use in public. Uh, we could have a health order that required it. Um, we could have orders that require uh, particular employers to do it. Of course, many employers do impose them themselves. Um, but this is an example where we're really asking the public, just like we ask people to physical distance, um, we ask people to use masks. and. We remind you that, look, you don't know when you are infectious. You can feel okay and you can still be infectious. And using a mask, particularly the non-medical ones that we encourage most of us to use, does not so much protect you as it protects everyone around you if you happen to be infectious. And uh, it's, it's really important to remind people that you have to approach this as if you could be infectious even though you feel fine. And so, anybody you're with could be infectious, even if they feel fine. So the masks are meant to just diminish the ex expelling of the droplets and the aerialization that can hurt other people and infect other people. Um, we don't, I, I think the short answer is we, we are not in a situation where we feel like that mandatory order would be uh, needed. It would require enforcement. It would mean police. It would mean a lot of uh, uh, ramping up of government activities that could be very difficult. But we do strongly encourage people to do this. Uh, and we have thousands of homemade uh, cloth masks that are available. So uh, please do it. Uh, and that way we won't have to take more drastic measures to make sure we protect the public. We only have about four minutes to go. I have a couple other questions I want to make sure and get to, and then we may have some time for some closing comments. But uh, one question came to us from Twitter. Uh, Sam on Twitter asked, how many people does Monroe County have doing contact tracing? And how many of the recent cases in the county are have come from a known source? So can maybe Dr. Sharp, can you talk about contact tracing a little bit? And what I know you said it's really complicated. Uh, are we doing it now? And uh, we, we have three part-time nurses that are that are working on contact uh, follow-up, and uh, and the, but the state board of health is sending a lot more help for everybody, all the counties, soon, and that's part of what we're kind of waiting on to advance our stage of going back to normal. So, uh, but but again, numbers change all the time. So right. we have three part-time nurses right now that are doing follow-ups. Okay. And was there another part to that question? Uh, just how do has it told us anything? Like, is there a particular known source? Oh, you'll never you'll never be able to come up with a known source. Uh, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there okay. are so many. There are so many known. There's everybody that uh, I, I I read a number recently one time that uh, it is estimated that everybody that has it. Uh, is is uh, passing it on to uh, more than five people. So 
and and but there are so many that we don't we don't even know they have it. So how can we, there's no way to tell where the source is because we don't even know who has it. So right. Jesus, it's it's an impossible. It's like chasing a shadow or chasing the wind. It just it's a tough situation. I touch to to nail down. Okay. Um, another question that's come in, um, how much of Monroe County's decision is based on people from other counties using the hospital here? Was that, did that come into, into part of your thought process at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, our first case in this county was uh, actually from Owen County. And it uh, uh, got reported a little prematurely, but it was shortly after that, we had actual cases from the county. But they are reported separately. Uh, the cases go to the county of origin, not to, uh, because obviously the ho- we have a regional hospital, and so we get uh, patients from other adjoining counties and, and elsewhere that uh, don't count in our our census of having it here or de- or a death here. So. I'm going to ask uh, Mayor Hamilton this first, but some of you may have the answer. So we've just gotten a lot of questions that. Uh, more like comments and with a question involved. It's like, what about our constitutional rights? How can the how can the city or the county take away constitutional rights to assemble or um, it, it, just to, to gather? I, What's I the law say? A, yeah. yeah, I just make a couple points. Um, generally, one um, most of what is happening now is not uh, enforced at the point of law uh, or being. Uh, subject to uh, the full force of the of government, like like a criminal statute or something like that. Most of what we're talking about happening is done uh, more voluntarily. Now, the second point I'd make is absolutely uh, under our constitution and our laws, governments, state and local, and basically local governments are a function of state government. So it's the power of the state government has the ability to it, it set rules in place to protect public health. You can. Imagine a cholera outbreak, or you can imagine a tornado that the government has the ability to step in and say, you can't drive on the road, it's not safe, or we have to you know, change the water usage or other things. And that's what this is part of. Uh, and it is complicated, and we welcome people suggesting uh, ways to respond. But th- those are the two points I'd make. Okay, we're out of time. I want to really thank you again for taking time out of your day. I know you guys are all busy, Mayor John Hamilton, County Commissioner Julie Thomas, uh, Chamber of Commerce President Aaron Predmore and Dr. Tom Sharp from the Monroe County Health Department. Um, thank you all for being here, as well as Penny Caudill. For my co-host, Sarah Whitmire, for producers Benta Boutier, Kathy Knapp, and John Bailey, and for engineers my, Matt Stonecipher and Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation. Improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.